0: E-S-T is sponsored by Pastor Talk by Lifeway. Join host Marty Dern as he interviews pastors, professors, authors, and other ministry practitioners. Pastor Talk gives you tools and encouragement to shepherd your flock well. Subscribe to Pastor Talk in iTunes or your favorite podcatcher or listen online at lifewaypastors.com.
1: Hi and welcome to EST. I'm hanging out with uh, Sam Rayner this week. This is Micah Freeze. Josh King is uh, MIA, and uh, so we're gonna have. This is a first for you and me, Sam. I think you and I are doing it without Josh being in here with us. I think so too. Yeah. So hopefully we don't mess this up because if we do, we'll never hear the end of it.
2: <laughs> yes. No <laughs> doubt.
1: No He's doubt. the confident Texan. He's convinced that nobody else does it right, but him. You know, but the confident Texan. So. And what is what is our partner in crime up to? Uh, I don't know. I th- actually,
2: I think he's just skipping out.
1: I think he—it's hes playing hooky today. That's what he's doing. He's playing hooky, and, and I don't know. It's warm. He's in Texas. He's enjoying himself, so well, he's out enjoying the uh, at the day at
2: the time of this recording. So we record, we, we re, we're recording in the morning. And at the time of this recording, the Houston Astros have just won the World Series last night, so so maybe he was partying hard, of... too much last night. I don't know. No,
1: I don't think so. He's a Texas Ranger fan. I, th- I think he's probably <laughs> sad today. <laughs> His team is not is not in good shape right now. And your team uh, and my team, we all, all three of our teams, watched the World Series from, uh, from the front row of our living room, just like uh, just about everybody else in the country.
2: Yeah, my team's trying to decide where they're going to build the new stadium, so hopefully they'll figure that out.
1: My team's trying to decide if we're going to build a new team. So you know, it depends on if all of our free agents sign somewhere. We this need year. one of
2: those too. We need, of course, we got some good players. I, I like. I, yeah. I, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna stay true to my, my team. Go Tampa Bay
1: Rays. Go Royals. That World Series trophy two years ago last night was our uh, fantastic. So anyway, all right. So let's, uh, let's jump into the topic today. We're going to talk today about continuing education and the pastor. Um, what is you know personal reading habits? Trying to get. Additional study, growth as a pastor—what does that look like? And uh, you know, that's a really—I mean, it's a broad question, Sam. I mean, it could be anything from the book that you just read the other day to formal theological education. And uh, you and Josh and I—all three—are at various stages of doctoral work, so we obviously all believe in uh, formal theological education. You're the one who's completed, Doctor Sam Rayner, finally. Yes. Finally, I was telling a good friend of mine yesterday that if it wasn't for Dr. Allwork, life would be great right now for me. But uh, <laughs> Dr. Allwork is, is sucking the life out of my bones. And so <laughs> I've still got a little ways to go, and Josh is just barely getting started on his doctorate up at Southern Seminary. And um, actually, interestingly enough, you're the one guy who you, – you got your doctorate in Dallas. Again. Josh is going up to Kentucky to get his.
2: Yeah, it's kind of strange, but um, a PhD in uh, leadership studies from Dallas Baptist University. So, so little plug there. They are uh, they're top notch.
1: Yeah, and I think Josh is doing his demon in preaching, if I remember correctly. Very good. I think so, and then I'm doing mine in uh, missiology. Um, so, but the point is, we had a we had a listener um who kind of shot us this question. And um, uh, David McCree shot us this question. He said, I'd love to see you guys discussing continuing ed, personal study, reading habits as a pastor, those sort of things. And so, uh, yeah, that's going to be our conversation today. How do you stay sharp as a pastor and what does continuing education look like? So, Sam, let's just start with you. When you, I mean, let's let's move beyond the formal stuff because we recognize those who get to do the formal stuff are a minority. Um, but we do want to stay sharp. We do want to stay uh, current, both in terms of what's happening in the theological world, but also just what's happening culturally. So, what are some ways that you stay sharp, uh, just day to day, week to week, month to month?
2: Yeah, well, I love I l- I love rhythms, and I've I've talked about patterns and rhythms before. So, I try to build rhythms into my life as much as I possibly can. So, um, I'm I have times set times when I read. So in the mornings I'm I'm reading more current news newspapers Wall Street Journal things like that trying to stay on top of what's happening. Um and then uh certain evenings when I, when I can it's difficult I I work hard to uh to catch up on books, conceptual ideas, um practical things that are floating out there, stuff maybe I haven't thought of, reading in fields that uh, is not my field so that I can get ideas for for where I'm at in my church. Um, so that, that just reading, I think, is number right on the top of the list, because you know, anybody can read, right? Anybody can pick up a book and and, and learn
1: That's from right. it. That's right. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, I want to be careful here um, not to just sort of wholesale endorse reading anything you find online, but I think especially knowing that a, a large number of the folks who listen to this podcast are leading the the typical established church, which is small to mid-size. Uh, Many of them are bivocational pastors. They might not have a ton of time or or resources to go buy tons of books or to go do continuing education at a seminary. But the beauty of the internet is there are massive amounts of helpful, accurate, uh, both theological and current information that you can get at no cost. And I devour a massive amount of that on a regular basis, Sam I mean I you know I make use of a blog reader. I have not read a newspaper. I uh, just picked up well i 'll tell you what I take that back. I was flying i had a, a a short trip overseas last week, and on the way home, they were handing out New York Times to everybody as you got on the plane and I read uh, it was a little travel edition of the New York Times. I read through that that 's probably the first time i 've read a newspaper in years to me, my blog reader has become my newspaper. I think I, last check, I have like 98 blogs that I'm subscribed to. And uh, one of the first things I do in the morning, you know, is I grab that and I read through all the things that I've, you know, that I've subscribed to that have updated over the last day. And it updates me on everything from, you know, world news to sports to friends who are serving overseas and have a personal blog. I mean, you name it, theological concepts and topics. And so, you know, I think for our listeners, I'm sure all of them are reading stuff online, but I would say one of the most helpful things you can do is find a way to categorize, to structure, and to organize the content that you're reading, so that you make sure you're consuming helpful content in a systematic in a systematic way.
2: Yeah, and for for those of our listeners who may not be familiar with a blog reader or something of that nature, um, I use Feedly. That's what I use. It seems to be the best tool that's out there. So you can go to Feedly. dot com and um, and check it out. And all that you do is you just copy and paste the um, – you just copy and paste the, the URL right into add content, and then it feeds into all of the stories. And you know you, it, if you've ever been on the internet, you should be able to f- figure out Feedly, um, and it's a way to keep track of everything. So I, I enjoy that for blogs. I don't necessarily use it for news. Um, because the news outlets put out so much content So now. much content, yeah, yeah that's it's, true. It, it's just wor- a worthless endeavor to put that into a blog reader. Yeah. But like you, I, I use my blog reader for things like that.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah, I do the same. I, in, in a way, it's almost like a customized newspaper every morning. Um, you know, there's probably about eight typical um, theology sites that I read. About eight probably eight to ten on a daily basis, and i 've got all of them feeding into that blog reader like i said i've got sports information i 've got personal friends and family that have stuff that that updates but it's it 's really nice it's like my own little Micah freeze customized version of my newspaper that I get every morning and it gives me news that i'm looking for um And then I do have some news sites that I go to uh, that I try and read from. One of the things that I would say that I I wish I could impress on those who listen to this, Sam, is I wish we did a better job reading broadly. Uh, We have a tendency to read from our tribe. And uh, one of the most helpful things that I've done over the years has just been to read broadly, particularly outside of my tribe. And uh, my argument is... For one, we just need to know what's out there. We need to know what's sort of going on in theological circles. But beyond that, um, when we fail to read broadly, we give away uh, or or we make an argument that our beliefs are not trustworthy or that we're not confident in our beliefs. Uh, I don't mind reading broadly. I don't mind a marketplace of ideals because I'm convinced that what I believe I've arrived at through study and, you know, the pursuit of truth, and I'm confident in it, and so it doesn't bother me to read things I disagree with, because I'm not scared that I'm going to get trapped, and, you know, somebody's going to take me over to their side. I, you know, I think all truth is God's truth. Uh, Baltazar Hubmeyer said that, and, uh, and so I don't mind reading broadly, understanding that I'm confident in what I believe in, and, and I want to know what else is out there, uh, and I want to understand what else is happening culturally, theologically, missiologically, and so on.
2: Yeah, and I, I would I would say also pay attention to those who are influencing the culture. So yes. if you hear of like a, a Nobel Prize winner, you know, in literature, go check out that book. If yeah. there's something on the New York New York Times bestseller list, isn't isn't necessarily the greatest place to be looking for no. influential works, but you know, check yeah. that out and and see what's on there and see if uh, you know there's somebody that uh, you can you can read there. Um, I like to read. Outside of my field as well, and that includes fiction, that includes, um, y- you know, biographies, that, that includes all sorts of things.
1: Yeah, I'm probably the weakest when it comes to fiction, Sam. I like fiction. Uh, John Grisham is one of my favorite writers. I love anything that Grisham writes. But I'm pr- outside of Grisham, I don't read that much fiction, and I've really been beating myself up lately. I need to read more of that. Part of my problem is right now um, I have to read so much for my Ph.D. work. That 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 content consumes. I mean, I'm probably reading. I would guess around forty to sixty books a year just through you know through PhD work, and uh, and that consumes so much of my time.
2: Yeah, and those uh, those are not easy books either. Um, they're
1: not easy books, <laughs> and they're not small books.
2: I uh, I certainly remember those days. I'm glad they're gone.
1: Yeah, I I don't like you very much right now, but anyway. <laughs> So yeah, we, I, mean, that's...
2: I, I think I think that's the lesson here is like take the time, make the time to read. I actually schedule that time on my calendar and I work very hard to 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 just read as much as I can. And I think that that's step number one. I think you're going to learn as much by doing that as you will sitting in a classroom, you know, paying lots of money to get a fancy degree. I...
1: Yeah, I, I'll tell you, I started something. I don't schedule my reading on my calendar. I probably should. You're more disciplined than I am, Sam. Um, I What I started doing when I was probably 20 years old, I would guess. So almost 20 years now I've been doing this. Um, I keep reading material on my bedside table. And when I, when I get in bed, I don't fall asleep right away. So I the, one of the first things I do when I wake up in the morning is I read, and, and the last thing I do when I go to bed at night is I read. And uh, my goal is to read, at you know, for instance, at night, I'm trying to read at least a chapter uh, minimum before I go to bed at night. And that way, even if I haven't had time during the day to read, I'm making sure that beginning and ending of my day, I'm reading. Uh, in the morning, I tend to read more uh, news, current events, that sort of thing. In the evenings, if I can, I try and read books, though lately I've done a poor job of that, and I've spent more time on current events in the evenings. So,
2: so you you have time to read in the morning? You must have children that are older because... Uh, <laughs>
1: No, well I do have that and that's good and they're able to get themselves up and get themselves around But I also have to I have to lay in bed 30 minutes before I can get up in the morning That's just for some reason I've always, it's been my habit forever and ever and ever So I always set my alarm for 30 minutes before I have to get out of bed I wake up I roll over and I read for 30 minutes before I get out of bed
2: Oh, that's good. We'll see you got a rhythm. There you go. Yeah. I mean, oh,
1: yeah, yeah
2: 30 30 minutes a day. I'll get you through a book faster than you think
1: Really quick. Yeah, it really doesn't, it, it really can, you can move through it pretty quickly. That's correct. And, uh, now I don't do, I don't generally read academic work during those two periods, morning and night. You know, that's just something I want to read. It may be something that's helpful for my leadership in the church, that sort of thing. But it's not something I'm under a deadline to read and then write a report about or something of that sort. I do that during the day, but, uh, but yeah. Another thing, Sam, that I wanted to talk about that has been unbelievably helpful for me in my life is I'm, I'm a glutton for mentors. I don't think one can have enough of them, and I am I have zero shame when it comes to asking people if they would help pour into my life, and uh, since I was about 21, 22 years old as a young pastor, I've always had a pattern that when I meet someone who... Um, I think is older and wiser and might be able to speak into my life, I'll ask them, hey, would you be willing to meet with me with any sort of regularity once a month, once every two months? I don't. It doesn't have to be in person. We can do it over the phone. We could do a Skype conversation. I'll come to you. Would you give me 30 minutes once a month or something like that to speak into what I'm doing? Um, or if I find out you know, there's a pastor or someone that I admire that's going to be in the area, I will find a way to see if I can take them to dinner or uh, be their driver to drive them around somewhere. I keep a, a notepad with me. I try and prepare questions ahead of time, um, if I, as, you know, especially if I know I'm going to get one hour with this person. I'll prepare questions ahead of time. I'll keep a notepad, and I'll just pepper them with questions. To me, one of the best methods of continuing education has been older pastors, older leaders. Uh, when I say older, I don't mean old. I mean older than me, who are farther down the road than I am, who can walk through different situations, whether all I have with them is, is an hour or whether I'm going to get an hour with them every month. I want to take advantage of those opportunities to learn.
2: Yeah, ab- absolutely. And I, I would agree with you. I would say age and experience when you're looking for a mentor, age and That's experience. Right. I mean, it you're going to get so much wisdom. You know, one of my mentors is in his mid 80s. Yeah. And, uh, he didn't know a thing about social media. He didn't know a thing about subscription marketing. He didn't know, you know, he doesn't know a thing about platform, but the, the wisdom that he's giving me has nothing to do with those things. And it's, it is so helpful, uh, just to hear, you know, this pastor who did it for, I don't know, I guess 50 years still, yeah. still is, you know, running a ministry and, um, just getting all that wisdom from him. Uh, yeah, age and experience. If you can find a guy that's like 70, 80 years old and has got a boatload of experience, that's the guy you want to be mentoring, you, that you need mentoring in. Yeah.
1: There, there's another concept out there. Um, a guy named John Marshall is a pastor in Missouri, in Springfield, Missouri, Second Baptist, Springfield, Missouri. He's in many ways a mentor to me, has been... Um, You know, My dad is a phenomenal man of God who God has used in many ways to shape me, much like your dad, Sam, uh, in your life. Uh, But beyond my dad, John Marshall is one of the most influential older men in my life and has been for years. He just announced his retirement. He's going to be retiring soon from his church. Uh, But he introduced me to a concept a few years ago called reverse mentoring. Um, And that is intentionally bringing people younger than you into your life for the purpose of learning from them. And I've always been sort of the young guy that maybe one or two other people brought into their life so that they could understand what's happening. Well, now I'm becoming, I mean, I'm I'm not older. I turned 39 last week, but I'm, you know, I'm getting to the point where like, we've got people on our staff now who are 15 years younger than me yeah. <laughs> and uh yes. they're using they're using phrases and they're talking about social media that i am not that i don't know anything about in fact the other day i tried to use a new social media tool and i got done and i, I used it for like a couple of hours and i was like i don't understand this this is ridiculous i don't <laughs> like it you know and i thought oh my gosh i've become the old guy on staff who, who can't figure this thing out um, but I've begun to find that, you know, at 39 years old, this is really helpful to me to have people around me who are 15, 16 years younger than me, who are helping me understand culturally what's happening, helping me understand the language. This is one of the things that I think we miss often. Language changes. And if we don't understand the changes in language, what those of us who are primarily communicators, can say things that make all the sense in the world to us, and can completely lose a younger audience if we don't understand the things that we're saying, how they how they translate differently to younger audiences. Um, you know, I, I can think of a couple things. You know, I, the word "gay" over the last fifty years has changed obviously in significant ways.
2: Yeah, uh, I just, dude, I just think of, um, I just think of, you know, when I grew, I was a child in the nineties, so. Right. Um I, I just think of you know listening to all those speakers who 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 talked who talked like they were from the 1970s and that's right. and just kind of rolling my eyes. Well, guess what? I'm that we're guy
1: now.
2: I'm that guy. You know, it's yeah, like I'm right. using all these phrases from when I was a teenager and young adult and Yeah. Um <laughs> and and I, you do. You need to pay attention to language because you can lose people, particularly young people in your sermons if you're saying things like far out. Um, you know, which psych, we, yeah, psych, you know, that, stuff <laughs> like that. It's just like, well, we we get it, we think it's funny, but the 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 the, the younger the kiddos out there are thinking yeah. we're we're old funny daddies, so.
1: That's um. exactly well. The fact that you just used the phrase "fuddy duddy" right there, right there <laughs> yeah, is no troublesome kidding. and problematic, Sam. <laughs> they were te- some of the- some of our young adults were teaching me the other day, like fire, how to use the word fire. I mean, I grew up thinking things were on fire or in fuego, and they tell me no, it's just fire. When something's fire, it's you know, it's fantastic. Anyway. So I felt like such an old idiot trying to figure out how, all this language. And they were laughing at me. And I was like, this has never happened before. When did I become the old guy? <laughs> you know, and so anyway, but it is. I mean, reverse mentoring can be an extremely helpful um, characteristic of continuing education and learning in your in your role. And I think we have a tendency to think, oh, I'm going to get older now. I'm going to tell everybody under me how to do things, which is to, to some degree true as we age. As we get older as we get more more mature we have things to say to those who are younger than us but let's continue to maintain the posture of a student maintain the posture of humility learning from those who are still you know coming up behind us and who may have something that they can help us understand and 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 who can teach us
2: Yeah so all right what do we do about cuz usually when people think continuing continuing education they think uh, go back to school I think I think if someone's listening to this podcast um and saw the title do I go back to school or not? What What do you yeah. tell the person who is thinking about going back to school?
1: Yeah, I, I think if you have the opportunity to, you should. I mean, generally speaking, and, and again, I'm making blanket statements that don't apply universally in every situation. But generally speaking, if you have the opportunity to go back to school, you ought to go back to school. School's a great opportunity. It's a privilege that very few people globally get to have. And so when that opportunity is afforded to you, You have to take advantage of it. The the beauty of continuing education in a culture like we are living in today is you don't have to drop everything and move halfway across the country to do that, which you did when you and I were growing up, Sam. Yeah. Um, And really, until just the last decade, that was the case. Well, now, you know, you have a scenario, Southeastern Seminary, they're one of our sponsors, For the podcast, and your brother Art is vice president at Southeastern. He and I have talked about this. They have incredible distance learning opportunities. Everything for you know they've got they've got a certificate program for lay people in the church that just want to get some theological education, but don't care about a degree. You can do you know associates, bachelor's, master's degrees online. Um, They offer these what they call a MOOC, which is a large online course that they offer for free, and they offer a few of these every semester. And so if you just want to sharpen your skills and you're not trying to get an accredited, um, you know, you're not trying to get credit that that can be applied towards an accredited degree, then you could use one of these MOOC courses, um, or you could work through the certificate course at a really low cost, or you can start taking accredited courses. I think all of these things are helpful. I was a full-time Bible college student when I was a youth pastor. I was a to part-time seminary student, the first two churches I pastored. Now I'm pastoring this church and I'm doing my PhD. I've never pastored when I've not been in school, ever, over the almost, literally almost 20 years now. Uh, well, let's see, just coming up, March will be 18 years, I think, since I started pastoring. And I've been in school the entire time, basically. And so, I mean, it can be done. You can do it. It's hard, but I, I think it's incredibly helpful. What do you think?
2: Yeah, when I was uh, debating my Ph.D., and actually uh, I can thank my father and Ed Stetzer for pushing me to do it. (laughs) I can thank those two
1: men for a lot of things. I know,
2: I know. I said, you need to go do this, and I thought, okay, why? Well, they said, okay, certain filters, and I'll give them credit for this, and I forget exactly how these filters came about and who came up with it or how, but um, the first was, uh, will your church let you do it? You know, if you're, let's say you're pastoring an established church, most of our leaders are in an established church, will will your church give you the time to do it? And so my answer was, yeah. Um, Do you have the capability? Meaning, can you get in? You know, can, is this a degree program that that you can do? Um, It's like, yeah. Um, Do you have a way to pay for it? And at the time, I did. So it's like, okay, your church is going to let you do it. You have the capability to do it, and you have a, a means of paying for it. Why on earth would you not do it in today's you know in,
1: in, in today's world with like Let the, me add one more caveat? Yeah. Will your spouse is your spouse on board with you doing it.
2: Oh yeah, that too. Um, that's yeah, the other caveat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh I forgot about that. Um <laughs> uh, yes, is your family situation as such to where and I guess you could add that to capability, you know. Is, yeah, that's is, true. Is that's is is that is that something that with your current family situation that you can you can give the time to? Um so you apply those filters I think you should do it. You know, if if you can say yes to all of those things, then then go do it.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's just when you consider the population of the planet that graduates from high school, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a smaller number percentage-wise. When you consider the population of the planet that gets a a college degree, small number. When you go beyond that to any sort of graduate program, seminary, any of those things, it's an infinitesimal. I mean, a tiny, minuscule number. The opportunity to take advantage of that is so unique that when those filters are applied, as you just pointed out, um, I think we ought to take advantage of them. You know, Speaking of your dad and Ed, uh, Sam, I realized this morning that it was uh, five years ago this week that I went to work at LifeWay. Actually, five years ago yesterday that I went to work at LifeWay uh, for your dad and for Ed Stetzer. Those were good days, man.
2: Yeah, Well, I'm, I'm glad you think of them as, as good days. Not everyone would. They were good days.
1: Yeah, they were good. I enjoyed working (laughs) for them. They're good people to work for. Yeah, continue, but but back to the topic. Continuing education is a challenge. There are a variety of levels. Not everybody's going to get to go back to a college or a seminary, and and we get that. If you can, you should. But everyone, I think you would agree with me here, Sam. There's no such thing as a good pastor who's not growing in his knowledge on a regular basis.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, you, you have to. Um, God gave you a mind; you need to use it. I know that is a cliche phrase, and has been said by many a parent who wants their kids to go to college. Um, but it's very true. Uh, exercise yeah, right. your mind. Exercise that brain that you have. Uh, discipline yourself to to learn more.
1: Yeah, and if you don't, beware. I mean, be be concerned. And, and I would also say this, Sam. I want to be careful here how I say this because I tend to be pretty conservative theologically. I tend to be pretty convictional about the things I believe. So let me caveat what I'm about to say with those realities. W- knowing that, if you can't remember the last time your mind was changed on it on a major topic, um, you may not have a teachable spirit. And um, mm. that's one of the questions I ask. Not you know I, I'm I'm convictional. I have core theological beliefs that that are fundamental to the faith. Um, But there are definitely some areas in my life, both culturally, politically, and theologically, where I have made shifts over the years, uh, because as I've studied—and by the way, if you're never making any shifts, I I would argue you're really probably not learning anything, because the whole point of learning is to grow, and the whole point of growing is to change, right? I mean, the more we learn, the more we grow, the more we grow, the more we change. We adjust. We're modified. And so if there's no evidence of change occurring in your life, I, I would worry that you're not learning anything. You might be consuming information, but that's not the same thing as learning anything. And so one of the questions I ask myself regularly is, have I been changed, shaped by by the learning content that I'm receiving? Uh, you know, I've been in the Ph.D. program for a year and a half, two, almost two years now, something like that. I'm definitely different now. I'm a. I think I'm a sharper thinker. I'm a better thinker. I'm a more precise thinker than I was when I began, yeah. in a number of areas. Yeah, I, w- and I would. I think that ought to be the case for all of us.
2: I would say that as people progress in, in in knowledge, as people learn more, as people are shaped and changed, as you say, they kind of go through certain phases, and and you can kind of mirror these phases with the academic institution. You know, so as, a grad, as an undergraduate student um, and as a high school student as well, you're learning facts and you're be able, you're able to repeat facts. so you you know you know what the year 1776 means to the United right. States. Um, then you, you know you go on to master's level type material um, coursework or, or you're just growing. you may not go to college or go to a, a university to do this. you just may grow in this way. you can form arguments. And then by the time you get to doctoral work, PhD work for me, when I got there, it was like I then knew what I didn't know. Um, there was this whole world that was out there that just blew my mind. I thought that I'd been exposed to so much, and then I go do Ph.D. work, and I'm like, there, there are massive areas of knowledge that I have not even scratched. Um,
1: and, and so yeah, I like your statement, and it's a good one. I didn't know what I didn't know. And I think that requires a fair amount of humility that maybe we don't have, especially early on in life and ministry.
2: Yeah, and, and that that would certainly be the case of church practice and theology. I mean, you know, the, the, the more I'm around, I've been, I've been doing this now for, let's see, since 2004, so almost 13 years. Um, man, there's like whole areas that I'm just like, I, I didn't know that that was out there. I may not agree with that. You know, I may not, convictionally, I may be against that. But in order for us to to be good students of God's Word, we have to be aware and knowledgeable of what else is out there.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. Well I hope I hope this has been challenging. I hope it's been helpful for those who are listening, Sam. I, I hope that those who are listening in fact the fact that they're listening to this probably indicates that they're inclined to continue their education anyway, right? I mean, they're trying to consume information that will help them and shape them. We we may question their
2: discernment. on. Yeah, we
1: might question their discernment. That's a good point. But uh, I'm grateful that they would take the time to download and listen each week. We want to hear from you. We hope you are uh, checking in with us on Twitter, letting us know your thoughts. If you've got ideas, topics for a future show, we'd love to hear that from you as well. If you just want to make comments, make sure to retweet and uh, share information about the podcast on your, uh, on your social media feeds. We'd love to pick up some new listeners. And uh, we will look forward to hearing from you and hopefully you hearing from us within the next week.
0: You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. Support for EST is provided by Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. The mission at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by equipping students to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. The school is located in Wake Forest, North Carolina and offers more than 40 different degree programs ranging from Associate of Divinity to Doctor of Philosophy. With more than 3,400 students enrolled, Southeastern trains future and current ministry leaders to lead effectively, study the word diligently, and preach the gospel unashamedly. Learn more about Southeastern by visiting www.sebts.edu. And come check out our campus to see how you can join the Southeastern family and learn how to go to reach your community, your nation, and your world. Wherever you're going, Southeastern. Eastern will help you get there.